Hi folks, Jack Spierko here. Today you are listening to an episode of TSP Rewind. <laughs> Commercial free versions of past episodes. Podcasts blast from the past. I put these up when I can't do a show due to professional commitments or rare vacations. These podcasts will appear in standard iTunes, Stitcher, and other feeds, but will be titled TSP Rewind Episodes and numbered accordingly. Today, folks, we are rewinding back to September 3rd, 2008, episode 46, the pistol caliber carbine in modern survival planning. Now, this is, again, September of 2008. I began the show June 20th, so you go June, July, August, and then the beginning of September. It's like two and a half months old, the show is at this point. Translation, in just a few moments, you are going to rewind not just to a past episode, but to crappy audio in the 2006.5 Jetta Diesel TDI. Yeah, this is back when I used to do this show in my car, and uh, so the and this is like, I actually got the auto, audio quality in the car up to a pretty good quality, but, but not by September 2008. It, it took a little bit longer to really get that quality up. And uh, so you're going to hear, like, the original TSP. This is going to be like taking one of those records, you know, from the 70s. It's got some little bit of scratch. It doesn't skip, but it's got a little scratchy sound to it. And the record player's a bit old, but you do it because you remember when. So if you don't remember when, if you weren't with us back then, and there's many of you weren't because... I think at this point we had like 500 listeners, and by the way, I was really excited about that. I actually knew if we were able to get that far at that point that uh, that this would work, that this would turn into something, and and it, it most certainly did. Anyway, um, so this show, again, is the Pistol Caliber Carbine Show, and I don't know that we've ever really revisited this topic. It might be time to revisit one soon, because there's a lot of stuff... That's changed since I did this show, obviously, almost 10 years. Um, for instance, the high points that I mentioned uh, have gotten, actually gotten expensive and a lot cooler looking, but they're pretty much the same gun. Uh, the NEF Handy Rifle, I don't even think it's made anymore. They certainly discontinued the barrel program for it. And there's a lot of new carbines out that weren't included. And, you know, when I look at the list of what I put into this one, you know, there's there's some that I probably should have included. I mean... The M1 carbine, the Milserp, or the modern versions thereof would be a great addition to this list. Um, and again, there's, there's new ones that have come out. It also makes me think about this. I think there's a reason that pistol caliber carbines are not more popular uh, in America. And I don't think it's a reason many people really think about. People say, well, you know, pistols are underpowered or whatever. No, I, I think what it is is that you have the option of owning an AR-15 platform in America, and the AR-15 is a carbine. You know what I mean? There, there's a, a, a kind of a stock uh, AR-15 M4 clone kind of you know thing with a collapsible stock and all. It's as light, as fast handling, etc., as any uh, of the guns we'll talk about today. In fact, more than some. So I think that because we have that option, which is great... Um, we tend not to think about these other things like the, you know the, these different uh, options, these different platforms, and it's I think it's actually too bad because there's a lot to be said for them. So, you know, as we're going through this today, realize there are a lot of lot, a lot of new options. Some of the old options may not be as good as they used to be, or what have you. But the overall theme of what the advantages of this 
thing are. It's pretty cool. And I mean, I know this 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 topic was a hit with the early audience because this episode in its notes got 26 comments. Now it's not a huge deal if an episode gets 26 comments anymore, but a lot of episodes don't. Right? 26 comments back in 2008. I mean, that was that that, that didn't, hadn't happened really before. We didn't have that kind of level of interaction on the blog before. I think today a lot of the interactions move to social media platforms like MeWe and Facebook and stuff, so we get less interaction on the blog itself. But uh, you know, this was this was a, a, a kind of one of those you know early episodes that really hit a vein with the audience. So I'm hoping it hits a vein with you. You got one more rewind coming at you tomorrow, and I will be uh, this weekend on my way back that long 14 plus hour drive from Tennessee back to Texas. But Monday morning I'll be back. I'll give you an after action review, and we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Yep, I guarantee it. Monday morning. Anyway, with that, let's go ahead and rewind back September 3rd, 2008, almost 10 years ago, nine and a half ish. Episode 46 The Pistol Caliber Carbine and Survival Planning. Another day, another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went you can Hi, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast One man's view of the changing world and the changing economic times And the things that we can do to live a better life If times get tough, or even if they don't Well, folks, um, Hurricane Gustav um, is being downplayed by the media as being no big event. Uh, and as I said yesterday, I want your thoughts to be with the people on the Gulf Coast because Hurricane Gustav was a catastrophic event for thousands and thousands of people. Now, we don't have the pictures of people in boats and on rooftops in New Orleans like we did during Katrina. That doesn't make it any less of a natural disaster. It just means that, number one, the eye wall of the hurricane did not hit New Orleans for a change. And uh, the, uh, the waters that, uh, that rose heavily were around the Lafayette area, Port Arthur area, places like that. And uh, those people have had massive flooding. And as the storm has moved into western Louisiana and east Texas, it's dumped massive amounts of rain and created flooding for a lot of people. So let your thoughts be with them. Don't feel like this was uh, like a, a storm that really wasn't, because it was, and there's plenty of people who would tell you how big a deal it was. So please let your thoughts be with them, and let that be yet another reason for you to always be prepared. Uh, also think of the folks in the Carolinas. Hurricane Hannah is on the way. Uh, it will probably make landfall somewhere on the South Carolina coast in a few days. And there's uh, at least two more tropical events out in the uh, Atlantic on their way toward the United States. Both will probably end up being hurricanes that make landfall either somewhere in the southern uh, United States in the Gulf area or up on the East Coast uh, eventually. Now, uh, that's kind of not really the topic of today's show. I just wanted to point that out and let people realize that even when we're not having Hurricane Katrina's, we're still having uh, major weather disasters across the globe uh, that do impact the lives of individuals. And that's part of being prepared, and it's part of being a good citizen, uh, is being willing to think, to even just to think about it and send prayers and thoughts to those people, and where you can and as you can to donate, give till it hurts sometimes, to help other people in need. 
But today's topic is actually going to be on uh, pistol caliber carbines and air rifles. I've been talking about doing this show for a while. Decided it was time to get off my butt and get the show done. Sometimes I'm a little bit hesitant to do shows about firearms. Not because I am not a big supporter of firearms. I'm a huge supporter of firearms. Lifetime member of the National Rifle Association. Um, spent a lot of time in the military and a qualified expert on both rifle and pistol. I own a fairly large collection of guns myself. Taught my son to shoot from the time he was seven years old. His first uh, gun was a, a lever action Daisy BB gun. And we had him treat that gun like it was a 306 loaded and ready to kill. Uh, to learn safety and proper procedures. And before I go into this, I'm going to have to once again give my disclaimer. If you've never owned a gun, if you've never been trained, do not go out and buy a gun. Go out and buy some training on how to use, how to properly store, save, and care for a gun. And after you've gotten yourself trained, either by a professional, but by somebody that you trust that's knowledgeable, then you can make the decision to purchase a gun. I do not want that decision legislated by law, but I do want individuals to be responsible and do it themselves so that you do not give our government yet another reason to oppress our God-given right to self-defense and our constitutional decried right to own firearms in America today. All right, so there's my disclaimer. Going into uh, today's topic now, let's start out with, you know, I'm talking about pistol caliber carbines. So what is a carbine, first of all? What makes a gun a carbine instead of a rifle? A carbine doesn't really have anything to do with the caliber. I'm talking about pistol caliber carbines today, which are carbines that shoot rounds that we would normally think of as handgun rounds. 9mm, 40 Smith & Wesson, 45 Auto, 357 Magnum, 44 Magnum, 44 Special. 45 long colt, those types of rounds. But you don't have to be shooting a pistol round for a gun to be called a carbine. Okay, the, the carbine is simply a scaled down rifle, a shorter rifle. And, and it's really hard to find any fast rule. When does a rifle stop being a rifle and become a carbine? Because if you look at, let's say, the Mosin Nagants, which is the Russian um, bolt action rifle that they used all the way up through into World War II, and it came around about the turn of the century. It's just had a huge long life in service. In fact, some of them are still in service. And you look at the, the M44 variant of that gun that's called a carbine because it's much shorter than the uh, the, the typical uh, M91, mostly the guns that are much longer. But the long guns back in those days had 30-inch barrels on them. So an M44, while it's called a carbine, if you set it next to a typical sporting rifle, it's not much smaller, not much shorter, and definitely not not much lighter. So in case the carbine is in the eye of a beholder, but for today's show, suffice to say, there's small compact rifles that are smaller than typical sporting length rifles. And you know, why would you want to do that? What are the individual advantages of a carbine, and specifically for our show, what are the advantages of pistol caliber carbines? The, the first advantage is, is, is saving weight. They're light. Uh, some of the guns that I'm going to talk about today weigh around 5 pounds, some less. Uh, due to that, they're very easy to carry uh, because they're compact. They can often be fit into like backpacks, bug out bags, and things like that. So because they're smaller, they're easier to carry. You can ha you can have a greater range uh, of uh, on foot uh, activity with them 
with less burden. And every bit of weight you save in carrying a weapon, you now are able to use to carry things like supplies, food, and the all-important ammunition, because a gun without bullets is useless. All right? So that's, that's the reality there. Uh, another advantage, specifically to, to pistol caliber carbines, is they're very inexpensive to shoot. And there's an old saying uh, that, I, uh, that I read, I think, the first time in one of Robert Rourke's books about hunting in Africa. And I'm sure the saying predates that book. The book was written in the, uh, the, the 50s. Uh, but it is, beware the man that carries only one gun. And the meaning of that was the man that carries one gun is very familiar with how it shoots. And if he's shooting at something that's 300 yards away or something that's 200 yards away or something that's 50 yards away, he knows exactly where to hold it and how to hold it. If the wind picks up, he knows how to compensate for it because he always fires that same one gun. That doesn't directly apply here, but the lesson applies. And the reality is the person that shoots a lot will be a better shot than the person that shoots very seldom. When I was growing up as a young boy, and we could shoot right in our backyard, I would burn through about 50 rounds of 22 ammunition a day, almost every day throughout my summers. Uh, I would go out and do odd jobs and work and save up some money to maybe buy a brick of 22 shells, which back then would cost about 9 or $10. That would give me 500 rounds or about 10 days' worth of shooting. By the time I got to the military, I did learn new things from my military instructors, and they made me a better shot, but they did not teach me how to shoot. I knew how to shoot. The very first time I fired for qualification, I qualified as an expert uh, in the United States Army with the M16A1 rifle to give, give a little bit of dating on myself how long ago that was. Um, that's the, the same M16 that was used during the Vietnam War. I was uh, 20 years out from that war, but those guns were still around back then. The reason that I did so well, the reason that I adapted so well, that I learned to shoot, that I took these new techniques and adapted them so quickly, is because by that point I had probably fired half a million or more rounds of ammunition and various rifles and shotguns. The more you shoot, the better you shoot. So one of the biggest limitations on how often we shoot today is how expensive ammunition can be. Even if you reload, it's gotten fairly expensive to shoot many different rounds just from the cost of components. And then there's a time factor to reloading. So the beauty of these pistol caliber carbines, especially rounds like 9mm, 40 Smith and Wesson and 45 Auto, is there's a lot of surplus and reconditioned manufacturers out there that you can buy very large volumes of ammunition from. So you can do a lot of shooting. For instance, I just picked up... Uh, 500 rounds of 9mm ammunition in a free ammo can at the Fort Worth Gun Show for about $90. Um, so what you can see is it's very inexpensive to do a lot of shooting there, where if I'm going to go out and shoot something like a 3006, uh, 3030 Winchester, 35 Remington, any of these typical rifle rounds uh, that have longer range and definitely greater power, it's going to cost me more, so I'm probably going to shoot less. So I'm also going to shoot less because there's more recoil with a heavy rifle caliber. So these uh, pistol caliber carbines, even though some of them in a handgun, a 45 Colt in a handgun, a 45 Auto in a handgun, a uh, uh, 44 Magnum in a handgun, 357 Magnum handgun, have a lot of recoil. But in a carbine, they're very, very manageable. So you're going to tend to shoot longer, you're going to take your time, you're going to do a better job. So I, I think there's a real advantage just in the amount of practice time you get alone. And if you're going to own a weapon, you should practice all the time. You should try to become the best shot you can. You should strive for excellence. 
the hidden exit advantage is just you can carry more ammunition. Um, if, you, if you were to look at what it would take to carry, let's say, uh, 500 rounds of 306 ammunition, it's quite a bit of weight and uh, quite a bit of space that it takes up. Now, 500 rounds of 9mm uh, is a lot less. It's still heavy, it's still bulky, uh, but you can carry a lot more ammunition if you were in sort of some sort of a bug out situation or some sort of situation where you had to leave out on foot or even in a vehicle you can carry a lot more ammunition uh, that you know only has so many advantages but in tactical situations it's definitely an advantage even over something like the 223 round which is a fairly small rifle round that the military chose for a variety of reasons but one was the compact nature of the ammunition uh, 500 rounds of 40 Smith and Wesson 500 rounds of 44 Magnum uh, significantly less volume than 223 ammo so that is just another advantage of pistol caliber carbines the, the, the next advantage and one that's just huge is that they're quieter to shoot than a rifle now if you've, if you've ever been around somebody firing a 357 Magnum or a 44 Magnum for instance or if you've ever fired one yourself or even a 45 auto they're surprisingly loud and if you leave a 9mm really loud when fired from a 4-inch barrel, and if you listen to someone firing a 9mm, like an M9 Beretta, and then somebody next to them fires like a Remington Bolt Action 306, the 306 is louder, but not as much louder as you would expect when you look at the size of the shell, how much powder is going off, etc. And the reason is simply when you're only shooting through a 3 or 4 or 5-inch barrel with a pistol, a lot of that powder is actually burning on the outside of the barrel. It's not very efficient. Okay, and that's why velocities will go up a lot more. When you fire a pistol caliber round in a rifle-length barrel, it, you'll get two to 300 feet per second sometimes, more velocity out of the same round. That's simply because all the powder is being burned within the barrel. So most of the explosion is contained inside the barrel, and the amount of sound that actually gets out of the barrel is reduced. It's the same principle by which silencers work. Okay, So when you fire a 44 Magnum or a 357 Magnum out of a rifle-length barrel, it's remarkably quiet. It's not silent. It won't go completely unnoticed, but it sure is going to carry a lot less distance than firing, let's say, a full-bore 306 or firing that same pistol round in a pistol-length barrel. So there is a certain amount of reduction in noise that's uh, very advantageous. As a target shooter, if you're shooting like on your own land at all, it's less likely to disturb and bother your neighbors as well. So that's one other thing to think about. Um, another advantage is that you can take larger game with it. Um, if you result, like a, a lot of these things I'm saying can be said about a 22 rifle. They're light, short, simple, very, very inexpensive to shoot. 22s are dirt cheap as far as ammunition prices, but really not suitable for even taking small deer with. But a 40 Smith & Wesson uh, carbine, I would have no problem shooting a deer with. And before you, you know, get up in arms about, oh, it's not a deer round, with the right bullets, uh, as far as the, the jacket, consistency, construction, and weight, it's probably a pretty good deer round. And a lot of it has to do with the added velocity that you get in a rifle over a pistol. I'll explain that. If you look at the ballistics of the 10mm, which is a slightly upscale version of the 40 Smith & Wesson, and I'd like to make a joke, and I think it's true, the reason we have the 40 Smith & Wesson is because there were limp-wristed FBI guys that were afraid to shoot the 10mm. 
So they reduced its power, reduced its size just a tiny bit in the length of the cartridge, created the 40 Smith & Wesson so it would fit into the same frame size as a 9mm and give these guys with these limp wrists less recoil to deal with. But the 10mm is an accepted auto cartridge for hunting medium-sized game like deer. Well, it just so happens when you take a 40 Smith & Wesson and stick it in a 16-inch barrel, you get better ballistics than a 10mm out of a 4-inch barrel. There's only about 100 to 150 feet per second gain between 40 Smith and 10mm. But that 100 feet per second is a massive gain in energy. And energy is what does the killing on medium-sized game. That energy jump, dump into the vital organs. Well, you get a greater gain by going from pistol to rifle. So a lot of these rounds that are kind of marginal for hunting, 45 Colt, Okay, uh, 357 Magnum. I know a lot of people that hunt with 357 Magnums on medium-sized game on revolvers, but it really steps it up a notch. You almost get 357 maximum ballistics when you take a 357 Magnum and throw it in a 16th inch or longer barrel. Right, so they can be used to take medium-sized game where like a 22 can't, but you still get all the advantages of less weight to carry, minimal noise, etc. Over a full-size rifle. Um, they have a lot better accuracy in the hands of most shooters than a pistol. Now, there's plenty of pistols out there capable of very, very good accuracy at, let's say, 50 yards. There aren't many pistol shooters that are capable of very good accuracy at 50 yards. But most people can quickly learn to accurately shoot a carbine at a range of about 50 yards. When I say accurately, I mean into the vile areas of either uh, a bad guy or a deer. Uh, or even the, the small head of a squirrel at 25 yards. I think that most people can learn to do that with a carbine. Learning to do it with a pistol is not impossible. Plenty of people can. It takes a lot more time, dedication, and effort. So they're just a faster learning curve uh, and, and overall with, with greater accuracy. So those are the advantages. What are the disadvantages to pistol caliber carbines? Uh, number one, shorter range. If you end up in a tactical situation or a survival situation, your range is, uh, is greatly reduced. Uh, even with something like a 44 Magnum in a rifle, it's a fairly long-range cartridge. I would have no problem taking a 100-yard shot with my 44 Magnum Marlin lever gun uh, that I'm going to talk about here in a second, but I wouldn't take a 150-yard shot. Whereas if I had a 306, 150 yards is a pop shot for me. No problem whatsoever. And they have reduced power, so if you're trying to knock down that medium-sized game animal, you're in, you're, you know, you're in a, a combat scenario, uh, which you know is it's not the most likely thing to occur, but it could happen. It's something that's a reality. You do have less knockdown power, uh, especially at your extended ranges with most pistol-caliber carbines. That said, a 44 Magnum 240-grain bullet uh, hitting you in the chest, even 100 yards out, it's going to drop you like a rock. Uh, but if you're, you know, in a battle with an opponent that's got a uh, 308 that's 200 yards away, you're in deep, deep trouble. So there is that disadvantage. Uh, if you're trying to feed yourself and you've got a deer that's 200 yards away, that's a hell of a shot with a 44. Again, it's a very easy shot with a 308, 306, something like that. So it's just something you have to acknowledge. And even though, let's say, your 40 Smith & Wesson carbine could be used on deer, even though it could be, uh, you know, your 357 Magnum rifle could be used on deer, 44 Magnum rifle, I- I'm going to leave that one out because I think that is an ideal deer round. Uh, but they're not generally ideal guns for hunting medium-sized game, definitely not for big game. All right, so they do have some disadvantages. To me, they're highly outweighed by the advantages. And is, if you don't have to settle for one gun, 
than having, let's say, a pistol caliber carbine, a large caliber rifle, uh, a nice handgun, and a good 22 and a shotgun. If you could afford to build that type of a gun collection, it's a very well-balanced collection that a pistol caliber carbine occupies a very good niche in as far as I'm concerned. So those are just the overall, my overall impressions about pistol caliber carbines. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go through some various different models and some, some of my thoughts about them. And I'm even going to give away a very special quiet load for the 44 Magnum. So, on my list of uh, pistol caliber carbines, and, and these are all guns that I've either owned, do own, or have some direct experience with. In other words, I've been to a range, I've seen somebody with one, uh, they've been nice enough to let me uh, put my hands on it and shoot it, and I've been impressed with its performance, and I've talked to people about it. There are many other varieties of pistol caliber carbines. If I don't name your pet, send me information about it. I'll look into it. I'm always looking for new guns to talk about. I'm always looking, honestly, for new guns to put on my want to buy someday list. Uh, but my, my favorite pistol caliber carbine that I own is actually my Marlin 1894. And uh, I have one in 44 Magnum. They're also available in 357 Magnum uh, and 45 Colt. And this is a lever action gun. Uh, there's quite a few different variants of them. One thing about Marlin, any Marlin firearm if uh, you ever have a problem with it, you send it off to, to, to Marlin. They're going to fix it. They're going to make it right. They build very quality weapons. I have a Marlin Model 2522 that I've had since I was uh, 13 years old. And that gun is every bit as good and, uh, and performing as well today as it did the day I bought it. And I've got to tell you, that, that gun could have a half a million rounds to that one gun. Because that's that gun that I put 50 rounds to a day, every day, from, from the time I you know, kind of entered high school uh, till I went off to the military. About 50 rounds a day went through that gun. And uh, that was just with target practice. And then, you know, there were hunting trips, and uh, since then I fired it quite a bit. Never never had the freedom that I did as a boy uh, since that point. But uh, that gun has put thousands and thousands of rounds through it and uh, still fires beautifully. So Marlin, I cannot say enough about their quality uh, and their workmanship. Specifically, though, these 1894 lever action rifles. Uh, the capacity of my 44 Magnum is nine rounds. I'd say that the rest of them are probably about the same. These are tubular magazine, easy to load. If you fired a few rounds, they're easy to add a few more rounds to without unloading. Don't have a clip, but they do have that additional capacity. You fire three rounds, jack three more into the side of it. Uh, so they have that. That's a very nice feature. Uh, 44 Magnum in particular. And uh, as I cover around, when I go to the next gun that has that round, I'm not going to do it again because it'll just be redundant. But the 44 Magnum is one of the greatest pistol caliber rounds uh, for carbines out there. 44 Magnum is a solid performer inside of 100 yards, delivers a great amount of knockdown power. And when you extend a barrel out to 16 inches or greater with a 44 Magnum, you really take its performance up a notch. I recommend in any of these rounds, don't use hollow point bullets in carbines. Uh, if you're going to take any kind of uh, shot at game. Because they're designed to work at lower velocities, and they're designed to expand rapidly. Good flat point, jacketed lead bullets are probably your best bet in most instances. Definitely in the 44 Magnum. 240 grain flat points uh, from the various manufacturers. Excellent round, loaded up near maximum levels. 100 yards, no problem deer size game. I would say no problem up to elk, honestly. It's a, it's a tremendous gun. There's plenty of people that hunt elk with a 44 Magnum handgun. And then somebody says they're going to go out and hunt an elk with a 44 Magnum carbine, and people say, oh, wait, you're undergunned. Well, the, the carbine's a better gun. 
as far as its ability to deliver rounds accurately at greater range and at a higher velocity. So why would the guy with the pistol be okay if the guy with the rifle is under gun? Simply because he's going to carry a rifle. He could carry a 308. He could carry a 300 Magnum for, for all intents and purposes. But 44 Magnum, great gun. Uh, lever action, high rate of fire. You get a little bit of experience with a lever action. You can dump nine rounds very, very quickly, uh, very, very accurately. Uh, and this is where I'm going to give away my secret load. And I imagine you can come up with a load for the 45 Colt and the 357 or 38 Special uh, that, that would do the same thing. Um, but in fact, I'm not even going to give the load out. You'll have to go to the survivalpodcast.com to get the load. And I'm not going to give load, load data out audio because if somebody screws something up, they're going to blame me and sue me. Uh, but this is a published load that I used out of the older Lee manual using uh, 4227 powder, a very light charge of that. Um, I'm not going to give away the charge. Under a 300 grain solid lead 44 caliber bullet. And what this is is the lightest load I could find for 44 Special. A 44 Magnum, a 44 Special, the cartridge dimensions are the same, except the Magnum's a little bit longer. Okay. In fact, the Magnum came from the Special. Elmer Keith performed testing with heavy 44 Special loads and specially made guns. And eventually, when it was adopted as a commercial round, what, what was done is Remington extended the cartridge length to prevent somebody accidentally putting a 44 Magnum into a gun that's only supposed to be for 44 Special. So I found the lightest 44 special load I could for 300 grain bullets, and I put it into a carbine. I'm going to do my best gun impression right now. The discharge honestly sounds like this. That's it. That's, that's the whole thing. It, it, in fact, it's probably quieter than that, because all that powder burns inside that long barrel. And you say, well, what kind of power is left? Well, I've done some testing. Number one, I can easily hit offhand standard ski targets, uh, shotgun ski targets, set them on a burn 50, 50 yards out without changing my zero for my hunting loads. So inside 50 yards are very accurate. At 25 yards, I set up two pieces of 4x4, four four, which is 3.5 inches thick of solid wood, so a total of 7 inches of solid wood, and fired at it, and it penetrated through both of them. Went into the dirt, went about 4 inches deep into some relatively soft berm dirt. So you have a great deal of penetration capability uh, from this round. So what use is it? Number one, if you have to be in a tactical situation where you have to hunt quietly or take out an enemy quietly, it's a very, very quiet load. I would say it is quieter than a lot of pellet guns. That's how quiet this round is. Two, if you had to use your carbine to take small game, you could slip one of these rounds in, shoot a squirrel in the head, and you're not going to blow it to pieces. Now, I wouldn't shoot in the body with this bullet, but a headshot on small game, very doable inside 25 yards, uh, and without destroying everything and without giving away your position uh, with a very loud report. Just a wonderful, wonderful round. And again, I think you can do the same thing with 357s and 45 Colts. To me, 45 Colt in modern guns, loaded up a little bit if you do some hand loading, or buying some of the rounds from people like Buffalo Boar is a tremendous hunting round. Loaded down, I think you could do you know, very similar uh, type things uh, with a 45 Colt, and I know you could with 38 Special as well. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about 38 Special in uh, one of the guns I'm going to talk about here in just a second. So moving on to another carbine that I'm really, really fond of are the high point carbines. And uh, the high point carbines are just exceptional value. You can generally get them new for around $200 and maybe a little bit more if you get them with some of the accessories that come with them. 
they keep talking about eventually coming out with a 45 auto version of their carbine. The day they do, I will put it in order with a local gun shop to buy one. I think they're an exception, exceptional idea. Right now, they're actually available at 9mm and 40 Smith and Wesson. Uh, I just picked up a 995, which is the 9mm version at the Fort Worth Gun Show. Uh, they are cheaply made uh, from a standpoint of the materials. They are kind of ugly. I'll post the link to their site. You can take a look at them. But what they, what they you cannot say about it, them is they are not a cheap gun in that they don't perform well. They perform very well. I know people have 10,000 rounds through one without a mishap. Um, you have to take care of them like any gun, but they will send down range, uh, rounds down range every time, and they're very, very accurate. They are not... In the quality class of, let's say, a Marlin lever gun or a Ruger Deerfield carbine or, or something like that, they're just not. But that doesn't really matter uh, if you're what you're looking for is a, if you think about all the advantages: lightweight, accurate, easy to learn how to shoot, uh, more powerful than a pistol, quieter. Uh, all these things apply to this gun. So this is an exceptional gun. I may do a show someday on nothing but high point firearms because I believe they get a very bad rap. Uh, from the uninformed that just look at them and consider, you know, the, the gun snobs that are either like all in the Springfields or all in the Glocks or have some kind of pet manufacturer that they believe in that think that anything that sells for a fifth of the price of what they buy must be junk just because of its price. High points are a good quality firearm. The biggest advantage of any of the high point firearms is this. You take your high point firearm and you're an idiot and you leave it in the bed of your pickup truck, you pull out, it falls out, your buddy driving his truck drives over it, smashes it. You pick it up, throw the pieces in a box, and mail it to High Point, you'll get a brand new gun back. If they can fix yours, they'll fix it. If they can't, you'll end up replacing it. And they will do it, no questions asked, and they'll usually send you a couple extra magazines for the trouble of sending it in. That applies to their pistols, their rifles, everything. They're a solid American company based in Ohio that stands behind their products with a lifetime, no questions asked guarantee. And there's not many companies that do business that way in America today. So if you're considering an entry-level purchase of a firearm, either pistol or carbine, it's a great place to go. On the rounds, 9mm is a very good round developed by the Germans very, very early in the uh, last century. Um, it is a good round for personal defense. It is where I break my rule on carbines. If you want it for personal defense, I actually think that going with hollow points is the way to go. 9mm is a relatively small caliber gun in spite of it how it's always called high power by the news and the media and the anti-gunners. A 9mm is a relatively mild cartridge. When you put hollow points in it, though, in around the 124 grain variety and you dump that into the chest of an assailant, I promise you it's, it's going to be a bad day for them. Uh, it's not really the best hunting caliber. I wouldn't really feel comfortable hunting deer with a 9mm um, unless I absolutely had to. And if I did, I would probably take headshots. And if you do that, it's more than adequate. So that's kind of my thoughts on 9mm. Now, the other side of it, easy to shoot, low recoil, uh, easy to learn how to shoot, uh, very quiet out of a carbine uh, compared to, let's say, out of a pistol. So I think it's a very solid round. Obviously, I believe it enough that I bought one. Cheap, cheap ammunition. The cheapest ammunition of all the pistol caliber carbines out there to shoot in high volume. And uh, semi-auto, pull the trigger, pull the trigger, pull the trigger, 10 rounds, uh, can be fired in two seconds. So high rate of fire, clip fed, easy reloads, great gun, great caliber. 40 Smith & Wesson, totally different situation for me. 
I think the 40 Smith & Wesson in a carbine is one of the most underrated cartridges we have today. As I've said, the 40 Smith & Wesson exceeds the ballistic performance of the 10mm, which is an accepted handgun round for hunting medium-sized game. I actually saw Ted Nugent shoot a Cape Buffalo with a 10mm handgun. Now, I don't recommend that. I thought that was pretty crazy even for Ted. Um, but... Let me tell you, it's a good deer route. So if you're in a survival situation with a carbine you need to use for defense, you want to keep the, the, the noise level down, 40 Smith & Wesson in a high point, you can do a lot worse. You can pick one up for about $200. Uh, pick a couple extra uh, clips up for about $15, $20 a piece. Uh, good quality supply of ammunition. You're in a situation where you can provide a lot of defense and a lot of hunting capability with a very inexpensive setup. So, so that's kind of my personal endorsement behind the high points. Another gun that I just want to say a little bit about, uh, one more thing on the high points before I go on. One of the beautiful things about their carbines is they have a sight. It's a military-style peep sight. It's a lot like the... Um the uh, sights on an M16. Now, in a tactical situation for fast target acquisition, standard open sights to me are about useless. If you're not going to scope a gun, the way to go is with the, the, the long sighting radius peep sights, well, sights all the way to the back, very close to the eye. You're looking through a hole. If you're not familiar with that type of sighting arrangement, I'll put some links on the notes to this podcast on the survivalpodcast.com. You can get familiar with them, but aperture sights are the way to go. High points have them. That's what made me put the next item on the list is the Deerfield Carbine. This gun, I don't even know if it's still available today anymore or not. It's been in and out of production a couple times. It's a 44 Magnum semi-auto. Uh, I believe the clip only holds four or five rounds, but it's a small Ruger that looks an awful lot like, let's say, a uh, Ruger Mini 14 or kind of a 10-22, kind of between those two. It's an excellent gun. has all the advantages of the 44 Magnum that I talked about in the uh, Marlin 1894. Uh, except for the fact that loading those reduced loads, you would probably almost definitely have ejection problems because there's not enough power to actively work the semi-auto function. It doesn't mean they couldn't be fired kind of in a single-shot mode where they're needed. So that may be the one disadvantage. If you can find one of these guns, um, I highly recommend them. Uh, I think they're an excellent gun. Um, kind of on some pricing, I should have done that before. With Marlins, the 1894s run from 450 to $500 so they're not an inexpensive weapon, but I do believe they're a lifelong quality purchase, and I've, I've purchased one, so that tells you that I believe in them. Again, the high points sell around the $200 price point. Uh, these Ruger Deerfields are somewhere between four and $600, where and as you can find them. And again, I'm not sure if they've brought this gun back into production or not, but it is one of the best little woods carbines, and if you're a deer hunter that wants a gun to actually use for deer hunting, uh, I, I cannot recommend anything more highly for woods hunters than if you're out in Wyoming and you're routinely taking 300-yard shots, obviously this is not your cup of tea, but people that hunt the eastern woods, you know, Arkansas up to New England, uh, they are just an outstanding carving. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about are the Keltex, and I'm going to talk briefly about them. I just want to kind of expose you to the fact that they're available. And um, the beautiful thing about Keltex is these guns fold in half. Uh, they fold in half and they end up taking up about the space of, let's say, a uh, spiral notebook in uh, dimensions. They're thicker than that, obviously, but there's something that could be hung over your back in a tactical situation under a coat unseen. But they could snap and immediately be brought up quickly. Uh, 
unfold and, and, and locked in place and become a standard carbine with about a 16-inch barrel, I believe is what they have. They're available in 9mm and 40 Smith & Wesson, so everything I've said about those cartridges continues to apply. But that compact nature is really cool. Um, I know some of my, my friends that like high points that are big fans of high points might get mad at me. I do think they're a definite step up from the high point firearms. I'm not saying they're necessarily completely a better gun, but quality manufacturing overall, I think they're a big step up from the high point 995 and 4095. And they do have that cool folding feature, but it's going to cost you. Uh, these guns range in the uh, $400 range, so that you can buy two high points for the cost of one Caltech. Um, and recently I looked at that option. I chose the uh, 995 because I didn't own one yet. Um, but I do have Caltech on my want list, probably in the 40 Smith because it's a more versatile caliber. And if I'm going to spend more money, I want more versatility out of the gun. So that is uh, an outstanding gun in my opinion. They also make them in 223, which are basically like a folding version of an M16. Some of those versions even take uh, standard M16 AR-15 magazines. So if you're a gun person and you're looking for new things to, uh, to check out and you haven't checked out Caltech, you may want to check them out. But they're 9 and 40 Smith um, uh, carbines. Excellent value, and if you check the way they look out folded, they're a really cool gun, great tactical gun. And again, that 40 Smith becomes a 10 millimeter when you put it through a carbine length barrel. The next gun I almost didn't put on the list. It is the uh, the New England Firearms uh, Handy Rifle. Uh, this gun is a single shot rifle break action, and the pistol rounds that it's currently available in are 357 Magnum, 44 Magnum, 47 Long Colt, okay, and also the 500 Smith & Wesson, which is almost not a handgun around. I think you're insane if you're running around with a 500 Smith & Wesson pistol, uh, but hey, man, to each his own. I, I, I love my wrists working too much to, to step up to that kind of a handgun, but in a rifle has a lot of merit and a lot of knockdown power. Now, the reason I almost didn't include these guns, I don't really consider them a, a carbine, and that these are, these guns, but they're a great gun, and I just wanted to make people aware of them, maybe if they're not. These guns sell for $190 to $250, depending on where you find them. Uh, they break open like a single-shot shotgun from the top. Uh, so a lot of people that maybe people that live in areas in Australia uh, where you're still allowed to have single-shot rifles, it's an option for you where a lot of these other guns are not. And I know I have some listeners out in that area, so I wanted to include it for that. And then just the value and the, uh, the uniqueness of these guns. I don't call them a carbine because the 306 version and the, the 357 Magnum version and all of them are the same length. They have 22-inch barrels, which is definitely kind of exceeding what's generally thought of as a carbine. But they're much shorter than a full-size rifle because think about this, a break-action rifle. Um, there's no action to speak of. In other words, when you break it open, the chamber is flush with the breech or where the firing pin is in the gun. Where if you have, let's say, a lever action, a semi-auto, a pump, anything like that, you have to have space for the round to exist, and then it's fed forward into the chamber. So you take that space of the typical action out and compact the gun. So a 22-inch barreled um, 44 Magnum NEF is about the same length as an 1894 carbine. It does way more. They're like seven and a half pounds, these guns. They're very heavy steel frame receivers, uh, but they're an outstanding gun. Uh, I have one in 38-357 Magnum. I've done reduced loads on that, similar to what I've done with the 44. Very quiet, very efficient. The gun's taken several deer with 357 Magnum uh, loads. Very, very capable. The cool thing about these guns is you could buy one in any caliber. 
take your barrel off and mail it in with a check to New England Firearms, which is now owned by Marlin. Uh, so you've got the quality of Marlin and New England Firearms together now. And they'll send it back to you with a new barrel. And all these different various calibers. Now it'll cost you $87 for most of the rifle barrels. So let's say that I bought a 44 Magnum version of this gun for 180 bucks. And I said, you know what? I'd like to have a 45 Colt too. If I could send it in with $87, they'll send it back to me with a 45 Colt barrel. So I can end up with one frame with multiple barrels. I could have, you know, and I can get a shotgun barrel for it. Because I can get one frame, and let's say 45 long Colt for a pistol caliber carbine, 30.06, and uh, 12 gauge shotgun. A lot of versatility, and even though you have to send them in to buy the new barrels, because they have to be custom fit, once you get them back, they taste less than about 10 seconds. Pull out one screw, yank the forearm off, open the breech, pull the barrel out, drop the other one, and throw the forearm back on, one screw tighten back up, and voila. These guns are capable of very good accuracy. Uh, they do need a little tinkering with. There's a cool group about them on Yahoo Groups that I uh, post to occasionally where a lot of accuracy tips are. I just wanted to make you aware of these guns and the extreme value that they represent. So that kind of wraps up the, the different carbines I wanted to go over, some of my thoughts on their, uh, their value, you know, their uniqueness, and their advantages, and even acknowledging their disadvantages. I am not going to now talk about air rifles like I had originally planned. I guess I'm going to do a show on air rifles. I was afraid that a show on air rifles simply wouldn't be long enough, but here I've just been talking about pistol caliber carbines and I've gone about 38 minutes. So I'm going to wrap the show up today. Uh, I hope this has been interesting for you. Uh, tune in tomorrow for you know something that will be a little more practical. Um, I won't you know do two firearm shows in a row because I want to make sure I'm serving the diverse audience that I have, but I thought today would be fun and unique. And uh, I know that you know Caltech, NEF, Marlin, and High Point all have little fan groups that are almost cult followings behind them, and I thought this would be a good uh, good show for those folks to uh, to get some good, you know good words out about their guns because a lot of them are underrated. Uh, specifically, the High Points are so highly underrated, and I think the NEF handy rifles aren't. Really Really underrated. They're just underknown by the community uh, as a whole of firearm enthusiasts. So, you know, get out, take a look at some of these guns. Get out to the range and practice. Always be safe and understand that that I actually believe that it's impossible to separate uh, firearms ownership and true liberty. Uh, you don't have to own a gun to be free, but I do believe you have to have the right and and, and the freedom to own a gun within reason if you're going to be free because it enables you to protect your family. Enables you to protect your home and not have to rely on somebody. And even if you pick up the phone when bad guys are coming into your house and call the police, and in a perfect world where they're able to respond within two minutes, that may be uh, one minute and 50 seconds too late. You know, cops are available in minutes when seconds count. There's nothing against police officers. Uh, again, I have a police officer in the family. He's my brother-in-law. Love the guy to death respect the hell out of him. I know he does a good job, and uh, I'd want him there to help me if I ended up in a situation where I needed an officer. But I also know that he drives a car, he's not superhuman, uh, he doesn't have a transporter beam, and he can't be to my house in one second when I hit 911. That there is a delay in time of response. And don't forget that this, gu- this country was founded on a revolutionary spirit. That the, the people that signed the de- Declaration of Independence were indeed guilty of high treason on the British Crown, and if we would have lost the American Revolution, that those men would have been executed. Um, I think we forget that sometimes. We forget that this country is a country founded on a revolution. And that revolutionary spirit was part of the Second Amendment. And even though the people may never rise up and overthrow their government, the very fact that it's part of our culture makes the government beholden to the people. 
And that was part of the wisdom of writing that language into the Bill of Rights. So those are just my views. I know that some people don't share them. Uh, but I guess gun owners of America would simply tell the uh, people that don't want to own guns, that's fine, we respect your right to not own guns, just respect our right to own them. Uh, as far as people that use them for crime, we want them put in jail probably more than you do for longer than you do with stiffer sentences than you do. And uh, you want to see a judge uh, that will throw a guy in the clink for a long time. You get a pro-Second Amendment judge uh, with a guy in front of him that used a gun to commit a crime, and uh, that guy is in big trouble. He's going to go to the max just about every time. So that's kind of my little bit of politics at the end of this segment. Again, uh, this has been Jack Spierko with the Survival Podcast. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Tune in for another episode where we'll help you figure out how to live a better life. Times get tough, or even if they don't. And you can holler, it really doesn't matter, because it all gets spent.